coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Rob Ganley, and I have a guest with me today, and I'd like to say it's truly an American uh, brand, an American icon. I have Paul Martino. He's the president and COO of A&W Restaurants. So, Paul, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. You got it. You got it. So, you know, tell me a little bit. Obviously, this is a brand I think anyone would probably recognize in America and, and, and abroad, really. But tell us a little bit about, you know, how you wound up here. And I know you've had a long career, but tell us your story sure, in this business. Sure. Uh, well, I started in the restaurant business uh, out in Southern California a very long time ago. And I, uh, my dad was in the military. He's a retired general in the Air Force. So, and I come from a family of eight children and I was the oldest. And when I got to, I guess, about 13 years old, my dad said, Time for you to uh, get out in the workplace. And so I went to work for as a busboy in, uh, in a restaurant out in Southern California that I could ride my bike to. Started as a dishwasher, worked as a cook, and uh, worked in, in the restaurant business all through a junior high and then high school and then through college. And once I graduated from college, I was working for an Applebee's type restaurant out in Southern California and went to work as a, as a restaurant manager and worked for a fair number of brands, mostly in casual dining. And then in the early nineties, I was looking to get out of single unit management, multi-unit management and went to work for A&W, I think in 1991 as a district supervisor out in Southern California. At that time, I managed 15 restaurants out there, many of them in malls. And in 1996, I was promoted to VP of company operations. And at that point in time, the headquarters was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I had two small children and a wife who was uh, lived and breathed of the California sunshine. And we moved from sunny Southern California, where no one had seen snow or uh, anything less than 50 degrees to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And that was not a pleasant transition, I will tell you that. From there, uh, the headquarters moved to Detroit, so we jumped out of the uh, frying pan right into the fire. And then from there, moved to Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, we've been there ever since. I left the brand for a short period of time when Yum acquired the brand in the early 2000s. And uh, then I got a call from our current CEO, Kevin Basner, in 2011 that, that the group of franchise partners were interested in buying back the brand from Yum when Yum decided to divest the small brand. And I, I uh, came back to uh, A&W where my heart was in 2011. And we've, I've been there, been here ever since. And it's been a great run. So yeah, that's man. a little bit about me. 
Uh, That's a heck of an unpacking, and I appreciate that. I I picked up on something real early in that in that my dad was. Did you say what was his rank in in the Air General. Force? General. Yeah. In the Air Force. Okay, an Air Force general. I I'm in Colorado Springs, not far from the academy. I could just tell you the caliber of people associated with the Air Force, right? That's one thing. That's one thing I picked up on, right? So you had that as a dad. Then you said I, I was the I was a, a, the oldest of eight. So that almost becomes your number three in the parenting triangle, right? So oh, a no, lot of responsibility. No. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> My dad did three tours of Vietnam wow. uh, back in the day. Uh, and my dad passed four years ago. And the absolute most incredible man you'd ever meet. He left the military and went to work as executive vice chancellor of the University of Riverside after he left. And uh, just a, a, an unbelievable man, a great role model. For me and for thousands, I would I would I would assume I wanted nothing to do with the military, though I could tell you. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not as a kid, especially right. No and doubt. That, you can look you can look back and say, well, that did instill some things in me that I think might have been handy. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, tell me a little bit about one of the questions I always like to zero in on. Uh, it's a marketing program, so. With such an iconic brand, we kind of joked when we first talked, I first met you earlier about how, you know, it's, it's one of those brands where you just see it. And if you, 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 we talked about how sometimes you get stopped in airports or, or different places. If you got your logo on and it's like people want to talk to you because it's like, Hey, and W, I got, that's just such a cool thing. I love root beer. My kids love it. I have stories about it, but tell me a little bit about how a brand like that translates. For a franchise investor or owner or or a franchisee, what you know that that must be powerful, right? To have that behind you and you know, tell tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think that you that when we talk to prospective franchise partners, the first thing that comes up is a love for the brand. That's what brought them to the brand, and really, it's almost you would think it would be that the unit economics would be first, but that almost comes secondary to. Everybody has a story. Um, you know, talking to a prospective franchisee just a couple of days ago, I mean, they're talking about their grandma and their grandma taking them for root beer floats if they were good when they when they were at her house. And everybody has a story. So uh, that passion for the brand uh, really is one of the number one motivators that bring folks to us. And then it's like, well, how can I get on this ship? And what happens ultimately is, you know, they 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 start to look at the unit economics, which is very important. Then they start talking to some of our franchise partners, and so many of them are second and third, and now fourth generation franchise partners. That Graham, you know, my great grandpa started this in the fifties, and we've just continued to carry the torch. Um, and and that's and that's very very powerful. Very, very powerful. And a brand that's been around for 104 years um, that's seen a whole lot of ups and a whole a whole bunch of downs. But we, you know, continue to prevail um, in a marketplace where everybody wants to talk about the latest and greatest that's out there. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your business model is just a down home. We all love it. Kind of it's good, good food, good, you know, good soda, all that. Um so tell me a little bit that you had mentioned that, and I, I, I had learned about this as well, about how uh, your brand uh, was part of a larger group and then before, and then, then it got bought by a larger group and then you divested from that. And now it's, 
It's uh, is it a public company or is it is it company owned? Privately held, and we're privately, privately held with our franchise partners as our shareholders. So wow. a very unique, very yeah. very unique um, uh, uh, dynamic there. Uh, mm-hmm. I talk to, I get a chance to talk on some panels and and, and talk at some um, uh, of my constituents out there in, in in the world, and I talk to a you know a Wendy's guy or a McDonald's guy. And I'm like, going, yeah, we're owned by our franchise partners. And the first thing they say is, how does that work? And I can't imagine that it would work for anybody but us and a brand that's been around, you know, as long as we have. We have a franchise advisory board that, that represent our ownership. And uh, we sit around a table four times a year and we talk about Everything from standards to uh, marketing to limited time offers to anything under the sun. And we lock arms together with that group and make decisions. So they represent our franchise community, which is very, very unique. It's not always it's it doesn't always go swimmingly, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but we we almost always walk away with uh with a one team approach this is what's good for uh this is what's good for the uh for good for the brand um and we have folks on that franchise advisory board uh there are a fair number of single unit operators when they leave that meeting they're working the cash register at their restaurant and then there's a fair number of folks that are multi-unit operators that that have a different vision so we've got a mix of both and quite honestly that resonates with uh, franchise partners or prospective franchise partners. Wait, I get a say in, in, in how this works. And they really do. They Each each one of our, our franchise partners has a representative on that board. And we, and I, I know probably many franchise franchisors say this, but we really listen to the voice of our consumers. We have to. They own us. So it's it's very unique. How many pickles go on a hamburger? We can't make that decision corporate. We have to we have to run that by our franchise or by franchise advisory board. It's in their con- it's not only in their contract, but they're part of the ownership structure. So it's very yeah, unique. Yeah, it's extreme. I'm thinking to myself, it's like the board of directors. It, it's like <laughs> they're the boss, and it's almost like when you were t- speaking earlier. <clears throat> there is no real way. I mean, sure, it doesn't always go swimmingly, as you say, but there has to be, no matter what, there has to be, uh, in the end result, everybody is affected, right? Like, you can't cut your nose off to spite your face. It's, it's eventually you got to come to a, an agreement because everybody's affected. Everybody's in it together. Every, you know, it's all, it affects everybody. So that's amazing. Yeah, we um, talk about one one very simple premise, and that's how can we, week in, week out, build profitable same-store sales? And every person in our in our company offices here, in our one team, in our uh, uh, our headquarters here, uh, are bonused and uh, on that simple number. Can we grow year in and year out our our profitable top line sales? If we put profitable in that same store sales numbers, because so many of these franchisors, and you know, rightly so, are about building the top line, and many times it's at the you know, the result is not necessarily uh, helping the bottom line 
profitability of the restaurant. Right. You know, the, the, the dollar menu, I'm pretty sure, has very thin, thin margins attached to it. So we build profitable same-store sales. And over uh, our 11 years, if you were a franchisor in 2012 when we acquired the brand and you have that same restaurant now, you saw, you've seen about a 68% increase in your sales, which is unheard of in the industry. And that's some hard work from our franchise partners, our franchise advisory boards to get us to that end. Yeah. And, and you're, so tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so you have a lot of locations. What, what are you up to now in terms of just total locations? Uh, we're in the high 500s, 560, uh, 550, somewhere on that, around that. Gotcha. And that's uh, and, domestically. We have another 400 plus in Southeast Asia. Gotcha. So for you guys, the other factor you look at is is resell, right? Like being able to resell existing locations, and and obviously, I mean, is that a metric you're also looking at, or is there a lot of um, a lot of uh, I guess blue ocean or ter- a lot of territory still to be to be absolutely. had? I would think. I mean, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And we were really very well positioned to start some 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 real expansion right before COVID hit. And, and then things just shut down. When we acquired the brand in 2012 uh, from Yum, Yum had a very different strategy for the years that they had it. And that was all about co-branding. How can you put two uh, brands under one roof and drive top line sales at m- many times at the expense of the bottom line? So we had to unravel that a bit when we acquired the business at the end of 2012, the beginning of uh, or the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. And for the first four or five years, we focused on our existing base. Um, um, our CEO, Kevin Bazer, and I visited about 220 restaurants in the first two years. And just what's happening out there? What can we do? How can we make things better? We, uh, after, after that divestiture from, from Young. And we didn't look at, at any growth at all for the first four or five years, stabilizing the brand, getting on a, on a, on a track to grow sales, get some confidence in the franchise community. And then we very, very slowly started looking at, uh, at, at growing. We need to grow. We need to continue to get more locations out there. And to your point, a lot of green space out there. Yeah. And yeah. we were very, very well positioned. I think we had 30 plus. Um, uh, agreements in place when COVID hit and everything stopped. Yeah. And it wasn't until really the end of last year where it started to pick up again. So we've got uh, probably 35 uh, agreements in place right now and growing every day. So we're very, we're, we're, we're very excited about our growth potential because we need to grow. We need yeah. to grow. We need to grow more, uh, 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 more uh, locations out there. And I think we're well positioned to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't talk to, I talk to a lot of franchise brands and I don't, I, I still don't, I don't know any like you where, where it's company owned, it's franchisee owned and you're a franchisee. I mean, you, you get both, you get the best of both worlds, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I would think really, if it were me, like, <laughs> I mean, do you have any sales jobs over there? I might come over and talk about it because to me, it would probably not be a difficult brand to, to scale, right? But you're almost... You positioned it where we got to do it right. We're going to take our time, but it sounds like you're ready to kind of put your foot on the gas a little and you got the story. I mean, man. Yeah, I think so. I think we, you know, we, we have a motto around here and that's that uh, 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 we'd rather have 
open one restaurant that's open for 50 years than open 50 restaurants that are open for one year. So we're very, very diligent about uh, our approach to expansion. And we've made some missteps like everybody does. Um, and it's still a fairly significant investment when there's a lot of low entry franchises out there. So to say uh, that uh, it's, it's, it's an easy sell, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case, but we definitely have a story to tell. And yeah, for no, the no. right franchise partner that wants a long-term, you know, a, you know, a long-term business to be in, we have a we have a pretty good, uh, uh, a pretty good uh, message to sell. All right, I, I hear you. I agree. So, speaking of that, you know, when you look at the local uh, owner, um, you have this iconic brand that that many people resonate with, right? Have history and stories and. Um, is there, uh, do you, it, through your marketing, just through, through, through the way you, you, uh, launch a business locally, is there a connection to the community? Do you work through, uh, different programs just so that the, the business can kind of connect with the people around it? Cause it just feels like such a, a family thing almost, right? Absolutely. Like, like, absolutely. How does that play in, I guess? Well, it's, it, it's interesting that you asked that because our marketing fund structure is such that all but a half a percent of their marketing dollars goes back to the franchise partner. So they can invest their marketing dollars, unlike a McDonald's or a Burger King. They can invest almost all of their required marketing funds back in their marketplace. So to, so whether that be local sports teams, local community events, whatever that might be, they, they have the ability to reinvest their or invest their marketing dollars in their marketing place we just opened up a restaurant in altoona wisconsin and uh, we opened up the january i understand that it's pretty cold in wisconsin in january i'm told i don't know i could be wrong uh but uh, our franchise partner opened up there very very invested in the community and she blew the doors off of any record that was sent spent uh that was in place for an opening week, an opening two weeks, and an opening month. Um, just blew right by every record that we had. And I believe that a lot of that, that has to do with that connection to the local community. We have an iconic brand, but we got to connect with the local community. And we've done well in marketplaces, in rural marketplaces, where it's a marketplace that lends itself to that. You're not going to go to L.A. and be able to ingratiate yourself in that local marketplace. It's just impossible. Trust yeah. me, I grew up close to, close to there. But in Spirit Lake, Iowa, that franchise partner probably knows a good part of that community and can ingratiate themselves in that community and spend their dollars, their marketing dollars in that community. That's very important to, to what we consider one of our strengths. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's what, I just had that feeling. Um, so you had mentioned earlier about the Franchise Advisory Board. Um, obviously, that's an important meeting uh, that you do and, and, and an important group of people. And it's really representation of all the ideas throughout the network and, and the important thing. So you also mentioned profitability is something you take very seriously. You really focus there. Is there one key thing or anything you know, over the recent years that this this group has really looked at and said, we've got to do that. That's where we focus to really drive profitability. If there's one thing or even a couple of things that you would say. Well, I think I think you're you're talking about uh, our 
uh, that community going through the last couple, two, three years of COVID. And I think what our community learned very, very quickly was the value of execution at the drive. And how we can serve a quality, continued qualities are long-term value propositions. We can't compete in with the McDonald's one, you know, two for ones. We can't compete there. So we have to invest in our community and we have to be the best at what we can be uh, in, in that community. Uh, and uh, I think our franchise partners learned a couple of things. They learned the value of our, our um, supply chain uh, because when we, when we um, divested from Yum, we remained on their, in their co-op. So our franchise partners have the buying power of Taco Bell Pizza and KFC uh, in that in that co-op. Very very important, especially during COVID when you couldn't get a you couldn't get napkins. You could sometimes you couldn't get straws. Sometimes you couldn't get uh, wrap for your hamburgers, burger patties, chicken. All of those things were that supply chain in many with many brands really struggled. We had the strength of that co-op behind us. So how we could, how they could execute best at the at the drive through was very important over the last couple of years, and how they could maximize profitability uh, through that. I mean, you close the dining rooms, you're doing most of your business. Shoot, we saw a record breaking year in 2020, and we broke that record again in 2021 because we had, you know, we we were one of the brands that had drive throughs. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that that was key. Uh, and you know, continuing to uh, to leverage that quality piece, we just recently went through a menu optimiz- optimization uh, project uh, that we're just on the tail end of, uh, where we you know looked at our menu, our menu boards. Well, how can we optimize what we do? We have the best. We feel like we have the best chicken tenders out there in the marketplace. Um, how can we? highlight them on our menu boards same thing with our double burgers we feel like we have a a great product there so how can we best put that face forward uh, on our menu boards and it's been very very successful so we continue to do that again we have uh, a 12 person uh, advisory council we have four uh, four on our executive advisory uh, committee we meet with those four folks once a week every monday 11 o'clock for an hour, and we talk about, hey, Johnny in Franksville, Wisconsin, had a problem with his delivery. Um, we're having problem with pickles, uh, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about that every week, and again, staying very, very connected with our mm-hmm. franchise community. Every franchise community has folks that feel like their franchisor isn't doing everything that we can, but not every franchisor has a voice. And our franchisee has a voice, and our franchisees have a voice. I mean, we, we got a letter from one of our franchisees up in uh, up in Oregon that said they were unhappy with our current LTO and it was confusing for their her her customers. And we brought that in front of our franchise advisory board. Let's talk about this. So, yeah. I mean, that's just how we work. It would not work with I've worked with other brands before. It would not work. No. <laughs> it just happens no, to I- work with us. Even if they were willing, it just wouldn't, it would take too, too long. It wouldn't be relevant by the time that, uh, 
Yeah, no, amazing, amazing. So, so COVID, you mentioned that, 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 yeah, clearly, you know, I say this all the time. And, and when we were, we were interviewing folks back then, it was very interesting to see how everybody was reacting to that. And obviously some got hit harder. Certainly you did, um, you know, not being, I guess, an essential business, right. But you, you had the ability to stay in business and have the drive through and probably people preferred it because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that sense. Was there was there a technical or technology uh, innovation that you had to look at, or anything additional, or you were just you were kind of ready to go, and it was more? Yeah. Of, yeah, I think I think we weren't we we weren't really positioned well in the whole um, Skype uh, arena as it related to how we did business on a, on a day to day basis. Again, you've got a fair number of our franchise partners that you know have been around forever. Some of them are slow to adopt technology, but certainly the big winner in COVID was technology. Let's face it. Yeah. I mean, the Amazons of the world, you know, the delivery platforms, everybody benefited from the fact that uh, that section of the population that wanted to have nothing to do with online ordering or online delivery. Now we're forced to do it. They had to learn it. And so now it's like, hey, this is pretty easy. So, you know, they had, they had to adopt it. Now it's part of their their day-to-day i think the big thing that we that that we did during covid that that kind of uh helped us and our franchise partners breathe a little easier well again front facing we held weekly meetings with our ceo head front and center this is what's happening this is how you apply for you know the 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 loans that were uh, out there this is how you this is how you 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 um uh, handle some of the supply chain challenges. This is what you can expect to be out of. This is what you can expect here, there, and everywhere. So I think that was the big thing. And we had to bring our franchise partners along to figure out how just to work with simple technology in a Skype call or Teams call or whatever. Uh, yeah. But it was, again, it's really the high, we're, we're a very high touch business. And, you know, our, 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 I was just got off the phone with Kevin and he had just got a call from one of our friends new franchise partners on a cell phone. I mean, yeah. you think the, yeah. the the McDonald's CEO takes a call from a brand new franchisee? I doubt it. <laughs> no. no, I don't think so. But, but, but that one team approach and we're, you know, I get calls from our franchise partners every day, all the time. And I know many of them, if not most of them by, by on a first name basis. Yeah. I mean, what you just said is mind blowing in a sense. I know in some worlds, you know, getting a hold of a guy like you would cost a lot of money just for an hour. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? They get, you know, getting, you know, someone of your level and your experience, right? If I can tap into that as a business owner, and maybe a newer business owner, right? Someone who has not been in the restaurant world for 40 years or in franchise world. So that's, that's an amazing resource for your franchisees. Yeah. Um, so, so with that being said, the, is there uh, so when you first launch a, a local business, it sounds like community involvement. Obviously, the brand is very well known. Community involvement, a good launch, right? Letting everybody know ahead of time. Is there any other key ingredients that you have found that you're successful? Obviously, location matters, right? Which you're probably really good at uh, knowing that. But is there any other key marketing element or or things that you really key in on to help them get going or or even I scaling? Think I- yeah, I think the one of the most important things in a in a launch is how you execute for the first thirty days, and 
you know, you're going to get a lot of uh, interest in a new restaurant. And I, I don't know how often you go to new restaurants. I have a, we have a 30 day rule in my house that you don't visit a brand new restaurant for the first 30 days, but you're going to get a lot of folks that line up that, that Hey, there's a, there's an icon coming to our town. Let's go mm-hmm. check it out. So that execution is going to tell you whether or not those folks will return, you know, a, a fair number of them won't. They're just there because they remember A&W from years ago. But if you can execute well um, and get that customer or that consumer, that guest to come back, that's super important. And we we have continued to increase the amount of front-end training time and most specifically our people on site to help over the last five or six years. You know, we started with, you know, five days, seven days, 10 days, and we keep increasing that so that we can help those franchise partners execute those first and and make the best first impression that they can no matter how well ingrained you are in the community let's let's face it if 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 john over at the bank that you happen to know by first name comes in has a horrible experience he may or may not share that with you you know he just won't come back you know he'll find another place to go so i think execution is key especially in small communities because while social media is uh, is a uh, has really evolved over the last ten years in terms of sharing experiences, or somebody comes up, somebody that I know comes and I go out to dinner with them, they say, "Hey, make sure you don't go there." All yeah. the social media in the world is not going to convince me to go. If my friend says I should, I shouldn't go. Right? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, it's very much marketing in a sense for a, a business like yours is is just by example almost right yeah give them what they expect do it well and they're going to keep coming back and tell their friends and that's that's a powerful marketing effect right there absolutely well listen i appreciate your time today i really i'd like to wrap the call up by just asking you um you know is there is there one thing that you're you're still you know you kind of manage your team by or it gets you up in the morning and you know you kind of it's a principle or an idea something that you might think might help the audience uh anything you want to leave with the audience well, that, yeah. So my daughter, my youngest daughter is a influencer and uh, she lives in New York City. Unbelievably successful. I mean, I boggle at the amount of money that she makes at 31 years old. Um, and uh, she was recently interviewed on um, Rachel, Rachel Ray. I say recently, I don't in the last year or so. And Rachel Ray asked her, if there was one thing that your parents taught you um, when you were growing up that you've held with you. And I was watching this and I had no idea what she was going to say. And I said, I wonder what brilliant thing came out of my mouth. But she said, she started with, well, my dad always told me when I was growing up, something that's kept with me all my life. And I, I wonder what brilliant thing I said, I can't wait. And she said, be nice to everyone. And she said, and I've kept that with me. And so our approach is um, one team. We're all on the same team. We talk about it all the time. We have a convention next week. That's the title of it is one team. And it's like, we're all on the same team or uh, our franchise partners own, own us, but more importantly, they write our paychecks. So we're all one team. So we have to, some people, I, we get along with better than others, but at the end of the day, be nice to everyone. We're all on the same team. So uh, that's really the, it's, it's a simple message, but it makes a lot of sense. 
especially in an environment like we find ourselves in today where everybody seemed to have a problem with somebody else. So we can all learn to just be nice to each other. And I uh, think it's amazing. (laughs) Your political beliefs, your religious beliefs, whatever that might be, doesn't mean you can't be nice. You know, so one team, one team is a, is, is what we preach. We're, 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 we're all humans. Then we're all Americans. Then we're all maybe on the A and W team, but you know, that that works better. Life works better. Right. Absolutely. That must've been an interesting reaction for you. That, that, that I think that's an amazing it, answer. It, it was. That's it a was, very was, sweet uh, answer. Yeah, but it was, it was, just, it was, it, I was telling my, uh, my wife, I said, did you see here? And she goes, no, I didn't. So we're playing it. And I paused it. I go, what do you think I was going to say? She goes, no telling what's going to come out of her mouth of what came out of your mouth. Like, well, it was brilliant. I'll tell you that. Yeah. The simplest things in life really are. So I appreciate you sharing that. I, that's why I like to ask it because I always get really good ones. Yeah, and that, that'll stay with me. That'll stay with cool. me. I appreciate it, Paul. Is, is there a website where some potential uh, interested maybe new partners could go and learn? Oh, I bet you if you type A&W, you'll find it instantaneously. We're right yeah, at the top gonna... of the search list. Um, yeah. We have our 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 uh, our public facing website and then that leads you right to our franchising website or vice versa right um, and we get a lot i mean unbelievable amount of action on our our consumer facing website for sure yeah um, gotcha all right well, cool. i appreciate it again it was great having you on absolutely Paul. great talking to you you got it all right Bye you for take now. care man thanks